We never stop honing and perfecting our walk and our uh, service for God and even our worship for Him. We can do better. Did you ever hear the coach say that? You can do better. And our Heavenly Father, who puts His children into training, says that to us. And He tells us right here that every son He chasteneth. He will put us into training. Now, in a polluted world in which we live, we are like fish in a dirty pond. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and once more we bring you the message of God's Word today from our pulpit here at the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. Now, some people have been wondering, where is Cloverdale? And especially those that are outside the Fraser Valley, that might indeed be a valid question. And I know also that there are people in greater Vancouver that perhaps have never actually visited Cloverdale. Well, we are a small town, one of the oldest towns in the valley, 20 miles east of downtown Vancouver. And you take Highway 1 East, then Highway 15 South, and you come right into Cloverdale 8 miles before you reach the U.S. border crossing into Washington, known locally as the Truck Route. And, of course, we're in British Columbia. And for our listeners across the country, we welcome you to our broadcast today. We trust the Lord will bless you. If you visit our website, you'll get all the details, a map even, that will fill you in on who we are, where we minister, and something about our Free Presbyterian Church in Canada and our congregation here in Cloverdale. We would love, of course, to hear from you. Give us a call, send us an email. You'll get all the details at the end of the program, or you'll find it on our website, www.cloverdalefpc.ca. We look forward to hearing from you. Just to know you're listening in, and may the Lord bless you. Pay a visit to our website. You'll get information there on our articles, and all of our messages are archived so that you can listen to them again or view the uh, text of some of the short podcasts that we're doing on moral issues. Righteousness, exalt of the nation, but sin is a reproach of any people. Now, the message today is on God's training of his people. We read here in Hebrews chapter 12, "'Ye have not yet resisted unto blood.'" striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Uh, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not. And so if you're a son, you're going to get chastened. If you're in the family, you're going to get corrected. And that is a biblical truth 
from beginning to end. And so if you're smarting and feeling the uh, or re- reproach of God against you, it may well be because you are his child and he is correcting you. Let's take that to heart today. And here at Let the Bible Speak, our burden is that we might be of encouragement and help to you as the Lord's child, and that we may strengthen you in your walk with God. Please also pray for us as we minister the Lord's Word here in our church and by radio across the country. May God use His Word today in your heart. When a soldier signs up for the military, he knows that he's in for months and months and months of training. Likewise, with a a pilot who's going to fly a commercial jet, he may one day be in charge of hundreds of lives on board. And if he's going to take on that job, he has to be certain that there's going to be training upon training upon training with all the responsibility he has on board. For a hockey player as well, if you sign up for a team, well, you're going to have to also attend the training sessions. You just don't show up for the game and think that it's all going to work out and you're going to be the most valuable player. That's highly unlikely. Can it be any different for a Christian soldier and for one who would dare to serve the Lord in, after all, you're going to be a team player and you've got the care of souls? Can you be surprised that God would put his children in training when he calls them to be his disciples? I want to introduce you here tonight in in Hebrews chapter 12 to God's training program for his children. Now look with me, please, at verse 6, 7, and 11. We're going to really look at this passage tonight, and you'll see here in verse 6, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Now, I have penciled in in my Bible the word train, train. The Greek word is paideon, from which we get pediatrician. A child in Greece was a paideon. He was uh, in training. And you'll see that this word comes up again in verse 7, if you endure chastening. That means training. And then down in verse 11, no chastening for the present seemeth joyous. Now, children need constant training. There's not a day, there's not an hour, there's not a an event, an occasion when they need to be guided and they need to be corrected and that you need to be a role model to lead them into the right path. And we never cease to be in training. We must never cease to read our Bibles. We must never cease to pray and seek God's strength and power in the place of prayer. And, of course, there's no perfection in this world. We never stop honing and perfecting our walk and our uh, service for God and even our worship for Him. We can do better. Did you ever hear the coach say that? 
You can do better. And our Heavenly Father, who puts His children into training, says that to us. And He tells us right here that every son He chasteneth. He will put us into training. Now, in a polluted world in which we live, we are like fish in a dirty pond in this polluted world. And fish in a pond that is polluted have difficulty surviving. They are gasping for oxygen. And in the Christian life, that's how we may feel. Did you notice in this Bible reading we had how many references there were to fainting, to feeble hands? Uh, In that closing verse we read, verse 12, Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. This is a day when many Christians faint. Many things discourage and cast down. And, of course, there are many things that do it. I've noticed a number of them right here in this passage. Confusion will do it. Look at verse 3. For consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners. Contradiction. That sounds like confusion. Opposition. People that are trying to trip you up. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. So confusion will do it. I mentioned last Sunday evening the Bible answer man, Hank Hanagraph, going to the um, Greek Orthodox Church, and it just, it just shook me. It, it really disturbed me, it, 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 and it's still with me. I noticed that there's a radio uh, network that has cast him off. They will not have his ministry anymore. And he claims he has not left the faith, that he's still what he was, and all of that. And it just causes confusion. And there's a weariness that comes out of that. You'll notice also that disloyalty will do it. People that turn back. That was the big issue here in Hebrews. There were those who came out of Judaism turning back and going to the old things again. In verse 14, you will see that infighting will do it. It, The exhortation is, follow peace with all men. And so, when there is uh, no peace, when there is disunity, when there is bickering among God's people, it leads to weariness. Why bother? Why get involved? And then, verse 16, you will see that immorality will do it. You can see how the profane person. And there's a reference there to the fornicator. And what a discouragement it is when amongst God's professing people, someone falls into sin and goes into the way that they should never. And it just casts a cloud upon the people of God. And so, to sum up all of that, there is need to persevere. There is need to be strong. There is a need to be in training that we don't fall prey to the discouragements. And of course, the great way to be encouraged is looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith.
Now, God insists then that every one of his children must go into training. Everyone. If you read verse 5 and verse 6, you will see here, My son, despise thou not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Now, I know you won't like this, but you've got to write your own name in there. You've got to write your name at the end of verse 6. Every son. That includes you and me. There is not one of the Lord's professing children that the Lord does not chastise or train in so many ways. Now, you may ask, why is that? Because God insists on holiness. Look at the end of verse 10. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. That's the program we're in. That's what we signed up for. When you signed up to be a, a, a follower of Christ, you did not sign up for Disney. You signed up to be transformed, to be changed into the image of God's Son. That's what election is all about. You read of that in Romans eight twenty nine, whom he did foreknow, uh, to be conformed to the image of his Son. And we are in training. God insists that you go into training because he's going to transform your life. He's not going to leave you as you are. You can do better. You can be better at imitating the holiness of God. Imitators is a biblical word. You'll find it in the book of Ephesians. Be imitators. And we're called to holiness. Now, in these verses that we're looking at tonight, there is an outline, and I want to prove one big thing here. That's what preachers should do. Preachers should only take on one thing. People wonder, well, why do they preach for half an hour if they're only doing one thing? But we need to drive this home. Chastisement or training is for our good. Now, that has to be driven home. That is something that we have difficulty with because we don't like pain. We don't like correction. We don't like the rod. We don't like to be enduring hard things as a Christian. And it is natural. The old nature will say, why does this have to be? I thought God loved me. And you will see over and over and over in this passage that God puts us into training for our good. Now, verses 1 to 3, God is working for your good in the way that he prepares you for chastisement or training. God wants you to run the race without hindrance. And you have a reference there to the weights we have to lay aside. Now, that was the Olympic way of training. 
The trainer ran with weights, but there came a day when he's got to throw them aside. And the analogy here is that in our lives, there are weights. There are things that drag us and hold us back. And it is God's purpose to bring to the place where we will cast off those weights. Now, weights I take here as those things that are not necessarily sinful. I see a distinction that is made between every weight, comma, and the sin. See how I tend to pause at commas? And we should. Commas make a distinction in the language. And there's a new thought, new clause that's added here with that comma. Every weight, and then it separates. The comma is a separator and the sin. So the weight is not necessarily sinful. And there are many things that may be looked upon as reasonably good. Christians may get involved in them, but they end up dragging us down, holding us back. Uh, They can be business. They can be hobbies. They can be politics. They can be passions over recreation. And they just zap the strength out of our lives. We have no gas left whenever we have entered and followed through on those pursuits. And when it's done repeatedly and constantly and become our life, it's like a weight that is holding us down. And then there is the sin. Now, there's two ways of looking at this. It is either the sin as collective, just all the grouping of sins, or, as I suspect, there just might be that one sin, that one ugly, bad habit, that carnal, worldly thing that has crept into your life, and that's the thing that's choking you and holding you back from pursuing the things of God. And of course, it can be very different in different people. Your passions and your uh, interests may be very different from others. And yet that one thing is what's holding you down. TV shows, wrong thoughts, smoking, drinking to excess, love of money, something maybe that's unconfessed. And every time you go to pray, it just like it comes up as a vision before your eyes. And that's the thing that you won't part with. You won't name it as a sin. And it is hindering. And it is troubling. Therefore, it has to be dealt with. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. What is biblical marriage? I never thought I would live in times when we would have to answer such an ABC question on marriage. Society is pushing agendas that force us to go back to basics and look again at the foundations for biblical marriage. I won't digress into the humanistic ideas 
that are based on evolutionary thinking. There can be no model at all for human relations if we are the product of chance over vast periods of time. Such a view leads to marshy ground of life spawning and life endlessly developing into something we don't know what. The one thing we need to observe is that across all species, male and female unions have been the only means of reproduction. Any departure from that clear dichotomy of male and female has caused species or subgroups to die out. Our understanding of biblical marriage must go back to God's creative work when he made man male and female. That is a clear statement on the Genesis record, and it is a fact known through the populations of the world. Mankind exists, lives, and procreates as male and female. This is an historic fact, and it's a biological fact. Any divergence from this basic position either neglects the facts or fights against them. One of the marvels of human civilization is the almost perfect balance in the number of births of boys and girls. Some families may be blessed with all boys, and some families may be blessed with all girls. Not all families are blessed with two and two, one and one, or five and five. However, in any population around the world, there is the constant balance of male and female. The only interruption to this has been human intervention through family planning with favoritism for the birth of boys, meaning the abortion of girls. This creates an imbalance, but it is one that is accountable through human interference and rebellion to the plan of God. This cohabitation of man and woman to produce children has been a vastly important issue in all societies. The only consistent model of marriage has been a contract between one man and one woman. This was God's providential work in creating Adam and then creating Eve as his wife and helpmeet. God didn't make Adam a polygamist by giving him more wives than one. In God's work of creating the first parents, Adam was created first, and woman was given as a helpmeet to him. Their difference in biological makeup were dramatic and obvious. Adam could not produce offspring alone. He needed a wife with the biological ability to conceive and bear children. Scientists might weigh in here with the well-established fact that each human person has 23 pairs of of chromosomes. The 23rd pairing determines the sex, that is, the XY factor in determining male versus female. XX is for girl, and XY is for boy. This is a fixed law of creation, built in by God as creator. He not only made one set of humans, he established an unchangeable, perpetual law of procreation by requiring 46 chromosomes, which cannot be provided by female unions alone, nor male unions alone. There was no other way for human life to procreate in order to fulfill its God-given mandate 
to multiply and replenish the earth. And that law of pairing chromosomes across genders applies to every generation. This model has been followed consistently throughout the ages. Yes, there have been perversions and horrible abuses of it, but nevertheless the model of one man and one woman in marriage union continues throughout the world, from nation to nation and culture to culture. It is the model that is fought against, rebelled against, and mocked by many, but only because it is the model. Everything else is an experiment and is doomed to feel as a solid building block to any society. The Lord Jesus countenanced marriage between one man and one woman when he attended a wedding at Cana of Galilee and spoke of the permanence of marriage in underscoring the issue of divorce, which was abused in his generation. The Apostle Paul built on the model of marriage between one man and one woman as in creation of Adam and Eve, when he expounded on marriage in Ephesians chapter 5. And he talks about, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This creation model laid the foundation for marriage unions between one man and one woman. But then there is another model to focus upon a model that lifts this to an even higher order. The Apostle Paul alluded to it in this passage in Ephesians 5. It is the model of Christ and the church. Christ is the husband as Redeemer, Savior, and the body of believers is the bride, the Lamb's wife, bought by the blood of Christ. There is but one Savior and one church. In His infinite wisdom, God has modeled marriage between one man and one woman on the redemption plan of Christ as Savior of His church, even giving His life for her. The apostle went on to show that a husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. That means sacrificial and pure love. The Bible is also very clear that every other sexual union outside of marriage between one man and one woman, brings down the wrath of God. Adulterers and fornicators God will judge. Marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled. Marriage between man and woman has God's blessing. It is God's plan in creation, procreation, raising of godly children. Marriage and the establishment of family is the building block of society. Marriage and the family is the first institution God ordained. Without it, humanity is doomed to misery, corruption, and the wrath of God. Bible passages to read on this is Genesis 1-3, Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians 7, and Ephesians chapter 5. Let us then rejoice in God's gift you of are marriage to and let pray the Bible to live up speak to the one model broadcast that God is free Presbyterian to Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. 
or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music